This week, Puerto Rico previews settlement with UCC and Judge Swain issues preliminary ruling on DS objections, Lime Tree Bay files Chapter 11 on same day as EPA complaint, and Judge Isker conditionally approves Washington Prime DS subject to inclusion of secondary toggle. Hello and welcome to the Reorg Podcast, where we bring you the latest developments in high-yield distress debt and bankruptcy. I'm David Zubkis. Julian Boulan will be joining me for the Week in Review. Also this week, we'll be taking a look at Judge Paul Etkin's reversal of Judge Lane's approval of Kurt Bronos's and LSC Communications, and also a novel UST financing objection from Pipeline Foods' first day hearing. We will be taking a brief summer recess this week from our deep dive segment, but we'll be back next week with regularly scheduled premium content. It's Friday, July 16th. Puerto Rico saw a number of new developments this week, starting on Monday when the PROMESA Oversight Board filed its fifth amended plan and disclosure statement that revealed a global settlement with the official Committee of Unsecured Creditors and a settlement in principle with the Teachers Union. The settlement with the UCC increases the Commonwealth Gut Recovery to $575 million in cash from $125 million. The new revised recovery amount, however, must cover $15 million to fund the administration operation of the Avoidance Actions Trust, $3 million for compensation for the UCC appointees to the Avoidance Actions Trust Board and their counsel, and the cash necessary to satisfy the payment of allowed convenience claims. Tuesday's contested disclosure statement hearing was punctuated by a request from monoline insurers Ambach and Fidget for Judge Laura Taylor Swain to continue the DS hearing to allow them to focus on negotiations with the Oversight Board and Mediation Team as parties reported that progress toward an agreement was being made. However, the court heard arguments from other DS objectors, notably the Puerto Rico Fiscal Agency and Financial Advisory Authority, or FAF, and the GDB DRA parties. During Wednesday's hearing, Judge Swain agreed to adjourn argument by Ambach and Fidget on their DS objections for 10 days after Oversight Board Counsel announced that the parties reached a verbal understanding of agreement with respect to plan treatment that would obviate the need to go forward with DS objections. The agreement also bring about the minor line insurer's plan support subject to documentation and a period for negotiations with additional parties. On Wednesday, Judge Swain also issued a preliminary ruling on objections to the Title III debtor's disclosure statement, reserving a final ruling on the adequacy of the DS until the court rules on Ambach's and Fidget's objections on July 27th, or the objections are withdrawn. Judge Swain said that with the exception of some deficiency, the court was satisfied that the DS objections did not raise issues establishing that the DS was lacking adequate disclosure or that the plan of adjustment is patently unconfirmable. Judge Swain's rulings will be included in a subsequently issued order. Judge Swain sustained certain disclosure-related objections, requiring that the Oversight Board incorporate the requested information into a modified plan in DS. She also ordered the Oversight Board to disclose risks to the plan should it fail to obtain legislation contemplated in the plan, and it set an aspirational schedule with respect to confirmation that sets a confirmation hearing schedule spanning from November 8th to November 23rd. Judge Swain did say, however, that she would not hesitate to delay the start of the confirmation proceedings if all the parties fail to cooperate. On Monday, Lime Tree Bay Refining LLC filed for Chapter 11 in the Southern District of Texas. The company noted that it expects to continue operations at its oil storage terminal business, which is not included in the Chapter 11 filing. On the same day as the bankruptcy filing, the U.S. Department of Justice, on behalf of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, filed a complaint in federal court in the U.S. Virgin Islands against refinery operators Lime Tree Bay Terminals LLC and Lime Tree Bay Refining LLC, that automatically extends an EPA shutdown order pertaining to the refinery for an additional 14 days. The complaint alleges that the company St. Croix Petroleum Refinery presents an imminent and substantial danger to public health and the environment. According to the first day declaration of Chief Restructuring Officer Mark Shapiro, the debtor's primary objectives in Chapter 11 are obtaining new liquidity through debt financing to avoid an immediate liquidation, pursuing other potential sources of financing, 
and devising a plan to address the findings of the audits required under the EPA order and internal investigations. Prior to the first day hearing, a group of lenders to non-debtor Lime Tree Bay Terminal expressed interest in providing an alternative dip to the up to $25 million facility committed by ARENA investors. But at the first day hearing, Judge David Jones approved the ARENA dip on an interim basis in light of significant liquidity concerns. The debtors report $3.5 million of cash as of the petition date. On Monday, Judge Marvin Isger conditionally approved the Washington Prime Debtors Disclosure Statement, subject to the inclusion of a quote-unquote secondary toggle in the event he rejects the proposed plan's voting structure for equity holders, which the judge called a death trap. As currently structured, the plan provides for Class 10 preferred equity holders and Class 11 common equity holders to share recoveries evenly if both classes vote to accept the plan, meaning preferred shareholders would not receive the full liquidation preference to which they would otherwise be entitled. Judge Isger expressed concern that this provision may be unduly coercive in requiring preferred shareholders to waive their right to their full liquidation preference if they vote to accept the plan. The judge agreed to postpone the issue until confirmation, but directed the debtors to add a toggle to the plan, providing, first, that if the court declines to approve the death trap provision, the plan will still be confirmed, and second, that Class 11 common shareholders will receive no recovery. The debtors filed solicitation versions of the plan later that day, which included language providing that distributions to Class 11 common equity holders would be reduced to zero, quote, if the bankruptcy court determines that such distribution is not permitted by the bankruptcy code, end quote. On Friday, July 9th, Judge Paul Etkin of the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York issued an opinion reversing bankruptcy judge Sean Lane's approval of retention bonuses to six high-level employees under a key employee retention plan, or CURP, in the LSC Communications Chapter 11 cases. In reversing the bankruptcy court, the district court concluded that the six employees qualify as officers within the meaning of Bankruptcy Code Section 503C, which bars retention payments to statutory insiders, including officers, absent a showing of circumstances not present here. The opinion rejects the quote-unquote functional control test employed by many courts, including the bankruptcy court below, in favor of a more straightforward application of state law when determining officer status in the context of CURP payments. The opinion also attempts to offer clarity and guidance on what Judge Etkin calls the messy state of law on this topic. The LSC Debtors Chapter 11 plan of liquidation went effective March 10th. At the first day hearing in the Pipeline Foods Chapter 11 cases of the Fridley, Minnesota-based manufacturer of organic non-GMO and specialty food and feed ingredients, Judge Karen B. Owens approved on an interim basis the standard first day relief requested by the debtors and also approved the debtors' request for use of cash collateral, overruling an objection from the U.S. trustee and granting in part and overruling in part an objection from one of the debtors' soybean suppliers. Mark Minuti of Saul Ewing, counsel for the debtors, previewed for the court the trajectory of the Chapter 11 cases, stating that the debtors' primary objective was to maximize the value of the debtors' assets, either through a series of discrete asset sales to multiple buyers or through a going concern sale to a single buyer via a court-approved sale process. Minuti disclosed that the debtors had hired Ocean Park as investment banker to market their assets, that a data room had been established, and that a number of interested parties had toured the debtors' processing facilities and had signed NDAs. Minuti highlighted for the court that five parties had shown significant interest in purchasing some or all of the debtors' assets, and that although the debtors had been unable to progress to an LOR APA stage prior to filing, the level of interest and activity had picked up since the debtors had filed their cases. Minuti also disclosed to the court that the debtors did not plan to continue operating in ordinary course of business during the pendency of the sale process and would not be buying additional inventory going forward. 
Prompted by a question from Judge Owens as to whether the debtors were going into wind-down mode, Minuti said that the debtors had no firm timetable on moving toward a pure wind-down scenario, but for the time being, the debtors were not going to mothball their facilities and would be focusing their efforts on maintaining the business as a going concern to attract buyers for the assets. Minuti added that the debtors anticipated filing a sale and bid procedures motion in the near term. The United States trustee objected to the cash collateral motion in connection with language regarding the hypothetical rights of a Chapter 7 trustee should the case be converted. Specifically, the UST requested the inclusion of language that would preserve a Chapter 7 trustee's rights to step into the shoes of an unsecured creditors committee and pursue claims against the debtors in the event that, prior to a Chapter 7 trustee's appointment, the UCC failed to assert relevant claims against the estates prior to the expiration of any applicable challenge period. The UST's request came in response to a ruling from Judge Brendan Shannon in the Jeffink Holding Corp Chapter 11 cases in May, where Judge Shannon ruled that the language in a final dip order prevented the trustee from being substituted as plain in place of the UCC and from otherwise exercising its avoidance powers against the lender group. Judge Owens overruled the USD's objection, stating that in her view, this was a significant issue and would have ramifications beyond this case, and that she was unable to rule on the issue based on the record before it. Judge Owens said that the parties could revisit the issue if necessary at a further hearing on the cash collateral motion. Top red stories this week included endo creditors organized with advisors as drug maker faces uncertain outcomes in Vasistrict patent trial opioid litigations. Authentic Brands proposed IPO highlights strategy of siphoning intellectual property through distressed acquisitions. IP value represents 16 to 56% of purchase price. GTT extends forbearance agreements to July 20th, prepares for Barclays cash collateralization. Carlson Wagon Lit Travel, 3L Noteholder Group disbands. Members join Paul Weiss, Evercore Crossover Group. Jim Holloway is out again this week, taking detailed heat readings all throughout the southern U.S., so I'll be filling in for him for the week ahead. On July 19th, we have a hearing on the final dip order in the Katera Chapter 11 cases, and July 22nd is a busy day. We have a hearing in Malincroft on the debtor's $66 million settlement resolving a district court securities class action involving the state teacher's retirement system of Ohio that alleges the debtor's CFO and CEO made materially false and misleading statements that failed to accurately disclose information relating to the debtor's Actar product. The debtors have argued that no portion of the settlement amount would be paid by the debtors or the estates. We also have a hearing in Latum on Banco del Estado del Chile's scheduling motion related to its request for a substantive consolidation on Latum's financing entities into Latum's parent company and the UCC's standing motion to pursue alleged fraudulent conveyance claims against Delta and Qatar Airways. Also on July 22nd, we have the DS hearing in Forever 21. On July 23rd, we have a hearing in Malacra on the Actar Insurance Claimant's motion to substantively consolidate the assets and liabilities of the specialty brands debtors. The unsecured notes and ad hoc group has also joined the motion. That's all for the week ahead. Jim Holloway will be back next week. Thank you again for listening to this Reorg Weekly Review. Find all our podcasts on the Reorg.com webinar and podcast page, as well as Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Hope your families are healthy and safe. Have a great weekend and see you next Sunday.